Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to be recapping week nine. Make sure you're liking and following the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. This one is on YouTube, so if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button, leave a review on Apple, you know, get those five-star reviews going. Spotify, you know, leave those comments. Make sure you're sharing this with your friends so that you get a chance to to take this podcast elsewhere. If you like the podcast, uh, fun games, entertaining games, and a lot of praise to be levied as well as maybe some, (laughs) some things to, to talk about with some coaches that need, need to pick it up a little bit. So we'll, we'll get into that before I do that. I do want to make a note. I, in the last episode, I kept calling Connor Stallion Stallions, Connor Stallings. And I think it was Andy, uh, who's a, a follower on Twitter, uh, was like, Hey, it's, it's, it's Stallions, not Stallings. And that is my bad. That is my bad. I, uh, goes to show that I'm an analyst about college football and I am not an investigative reporter. So I apologize for that. So we'll get that right from now on. Connor Stallions is the low-level staffer. That's the only reference I'm going to make to Michigan's Spygate going on right now. That's the only reference in this episode, I promise. Uh, instead of starting with the power rankings and going that way, I actually just want to go game by, by game. I actually got to watch a lot of these games, some in full. And I felt like it was it was the first time in a while that I really got to digest a lot of Big Ten football, which was exciting for me because I've been on the road a lot and I've been, you know, I've been catching up on getting some cut-ups of games. And you get a lot just by watching the 25-minute cut-up, but there's so much more in terms of understanding the flow of a game by being able to watch whole games over the course of those two, three hours. And so I, I'm excited to kind of break some of the, these things down. I want to start with Indiana at number 10, Penn State. I thought going into this game, I said in the prior episode, I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State starts sluggish. And if it's, if it's sleepy in the first half, it was sleepy for the first 55 minutes. Um, now, having said that, I know a lot of Penn Staters are probably like, oh gosh, this is terrible. This does not bode well for us against Michigan, yada, yada, yada. Yankee Wolverine, my guy on Twitter, he he was saying that there's nothing elite about Penn State. Their offense is not very good. And I think there's some truth there. I think we expected at the beginning of the season for Penn State's offense to be really, really good. And they have not been. I think they've underperformed. I think that offensive line has underperformed. I think the running backs have underperformed. I think Drew Aller has not been what we thought he might be. 
I think he's a young quarterback and he's trying to learn a, a pro style approach and it's tough. He's a second year guy. And I think he has all the tools, but I think that I think he's a second year guy. What I think really hurts them though, offensively is the reality that they, they have no good, they have no game breaker at receiver. And I said this a couple weeks ago, I said this last week, but Keandre Lambert Smith is about the only receiver that I think is like high level. And even then, I, I think he's more of a number two or a number three. You don't have Parker Washington or Jahan Dodson or Mitchell Tinsley walking through that door. And like all three of those guys, I think were better options than any of the guys that Penn State has right now. And what that does is that allows the, the defense to really cheat up, to really go after your run game. And that's what Indiana did. And that's what Indiana does well. And so Indiana did a good job of taking away the run game. They put pressure on Drew Aller. And that's what Indiana does well. And Penn State, in a lot of ways, plays right into Indiana's strengths, which I know Hoosier fans and people that don't know the Hoosiers, you might think, oh, the Hoosiers have strengths. Really? Yes, they do. Aaron Casey, stud. They have a lot, they have a lot of good players on defense. I don't think that whole side of the ball is great. But they they can flash and they have made things difficult for other teams. You know, Louisville only got 21 on them, right? Louisville's pretty good. Like they're six and one or seven and one now. Um, maybe, maybe a dark horse threat to win the ACC at this point. Indiana held Ohio State to 23. You know, they they can put out put up good defensive performances. And so this was, I don't think, a, a great matchup for Penn State. And then you add on to the fact they have never done well under Franklin after a loss, particularly a loss to Ohio State. I mean, I, how many times have they lost back-to-back games under, under James Franklin? And so this was never going to be, I, I think, one of those games where Penn State starts fast and they win uh, and, and they just blow Indiana out of the water. I did think the margin of victory would be higher. Like I thought Drew Aller play was sloppy at times. I think the defense did not play well, uh, particularly in the first half chop Robinson being out had something to do with that. Johnny Dixon getting banged up a bit. Um, but I, I thought their defense didn't play well. Give credit to Brandon Soresby, who I think they've settled. The Hoosiers have settled on him as the quarterback moving forward. I'm not sure how I feel about that long, long term, but he made some good throws in the beginning, you know, had that 90 yard touchdown early in the game and challenged Penn state. So I, I think for the Hoosiers, it, it was a, you know, it, it was kind of close, it close, but not close enough. I think for Penn state, I think you're both a little disheartened, but I think you got to look at the positives here too, especially with, with Michigan coming down and coming to your place. The, the reality is Drew Aller had to work through some things and he won the game on a downfield shot. And that that's a big deal. The fact that he won, he won the game, not with dinking and dunking, but he hit a downfield throw to Keandre Lambert Smith 
And like, if they want to get where they want to be, which is the big 10 championship, which I, th- I still think is on the table. They've got to hit downfield shots so that they can loosen up their run game. And so this is not over for Penn state. Now they, they are currently, I think solidly number three in, in my power rankings and solidly number three in the big 10 race. But I mean, if they, if they can find a way to beat Michigan and Ohio state loses to Michigan, I still think they might have the tiebreaker over everybody at, by, by the end of it. So I, I thought Penn state, it was a, it was a, a rough win, but it was a win. And I think Drew Aller did what he has not done, which is kind of work it out. And I would be re- very impressed. I, I don't know what the timetable is with Chop Robinson. I'm sure P- other Penn state guys know, but you get Johnny Dixon back later. That defense is still nasty. So I, I like them. I still like them moving forward, at least to get to 10 wins, if not, if not more. Uh, Another game during that time slot was Maryland at Northwestern. I I said that the Terps would be sleepy in that game. I didn't think they would be dead. This is, this is, and I want to talk about Northwestern in a minute. I think you got to start thinking about whether Loxley's the guy. This is, this is a, abysmal coaching performance by Mike Loxley Talia and it it played out like so many other games in the past interceptions at the worst times lapses uh, with penalties, you know, really, really bad defense. There there's no reason. And I, I don't mean this as any offense to Northwestern, but there's no reason why Maryland should have lost to either Illinois or Northwestern. They, I I would have thought they'd be seven and one. They're sitting at five and three. I don't know what game is winnable left on their schedule. At, at least the way they've played the last two weeks. And, you know, you look at their schedule, they get Penn State next week. Then they go to Nebraska, who Nebraska's starting to play better. Then you host Michigan, and then you go to Rutgers. Like maybe they're favored against Nebraska, but I'm I don't think they're favored against Rutgers anymore. Like this is this is bad. And if if you are a Terps fan, what started as hey maybe we can get, get to ten wins, you might not end up bowl eligible. Like this is danger zone for the Terps. And if they don't make a bowl game, even six and six, you have to start wondering is, is this the peak of the Loxley era? And I, I I would not advocate for getting him fired yet because he does recruit. I think he has elevated recruiting. I think at times he, he has done a good job develop developing players. You know, you look at that uh, defensive backfield for them last year, but you have, I think, a good enough quarterback. You have, you have, I think, good receivers, good running backs, good defensive players. You've got to get your guys up for this, and they weren't. Uh, they've not been up the past two weeks, and or the past two games rather, and they've lost two very winnable games. And now they're they're staring at the barrel of maybe a a six and six or seven and five season, maybe even a five and seven season. And that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable for Maryland at this point. 
And so I, I think they, Mike Loxley needs to look in the mirror and be like, what are we doing wrong here? What do we need to fix on the flip side to that? We really got to give David Braun credit. I said on, on Twitter, I think you got to give David Braun the Northwestern job after this, like full time. And I, I think he is at least one of the front runners for big 10 coach of the year if not the front runner. Now he's got stiff competition because what Greg Schiano has done at Rutgers has been very, very good. I think what Matt rule has done at Nebraska, which we'll talk about that in a minute is, is really, really respectable. Um, but David Braun's name deserves to be all the way up there too. You know, he, their quarterback, Ben Bryant was out in this game. So Brennan Sullivan, who some people I think might wonder if he's actually the better fit for that offense, but he came in and he played his out of his mind in this game. I mean, you, you look at what he was able to do in this football game, 16 to 23, 265 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. So he's averaging 11 and a half yards per attempt, not per completion per attempt. Right. And he ran the ball 14 times for 56 yards. Like he had a whale of a game against what I thought was a good defense. Right. He was able to get the ball to his playmakers. Um, you know, AJ Henning, five catches for 52 yards. Uh, Hyman had two catches for 67 yards and including a, a big 53 yarder. That defense played with a lot of poise and a lot of passion on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And you can tell they're buying into David Braun. Like these guys love him as a coach and to, to get them to four and four. And, you know, again, they have winnable games on their schedule. They could get bowl eligible. That, that would be amazing. And I know they're in the West. The West is not nearly as stacked as the East, right? But you got to give a lot of credit to Northwestern and, and David Braun, they could have folded with the loss of Pat Fitzgerald. They could have folded this whole season. You'd be like, well, this guy's, this guy's just here for a year. And then we're going to have a new coach. A lot of people could have transferred out and they have stuck it out with David Braun. And I, if I'm a wildcat fan, I'm excited about the future of this program. I'm excited about how they, they stood up for what was right right with the whole hazing thing and they, they did the right thing and it, it has galvanized the program. So I, if I'm a Northwestern fan, I am ecstatic right now, four and four, you have wins over Minnesota. You have a win over, uh, over Maryland and you're, you're in the thick of the big 10 West right now, which again, it's a very, very mediocre division. If we're being honest in the scheme of the entire country. But again, in context, this is phenomenal. It's phenomenal what they're doing. So all, all props to David Braun and that Northwestern Wildcat team. Brandon Sullivan played out of his mind. Great job by them. Uh, the three thirty slot, we had Purdue at Nebraska and Michigan, Michigan state at Minnesota. I like, got so close to nailing the margin of victory on Minnesota, Michigan state. I, I had it by 18 Minnesota won by 15. Uh, you know, Minnesota was playing the four string running back 
and Newbin got 40, 40 carries, 204 yards, two touchdowns. So I thought he played well. Kaliak Manis played good. You know, it's good. 200 yards on 22 attempts, one touchdown, one interception is good. Uh, they, they clearly, I think dominated the game. Although I don't think the score really showed that because Minnesota offensively is still they're They're just not there, right? Like they're not there. You know, they averaged, you know, they, they did average a good yard, yard, yard per play, 9.1 yards per pass four four yards per run, you know, but they, they did what they were supposed to do, which is to beat a lesser opponent. Michigan state is, is a train wreck at this point. Like I, I think between Michigan state and Indiana, that's your, your worst team in the big 10 at this point. And so, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Michigan state. Um, just a rough, it's, it's a rough stretch with what happened with Mel Tucker. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. Un, unlike Northwestern, I think Michigan state has, you can tell that they've kind of lost momentum and lost faith and I'm not sure they win any more games this season. So it's a rough stretch for Michigan state. Uh, Purdue at Nebraska, Nebraska, don't the, the, the score was 31 to 14. I mean, Nebraska dominated this game you know they they turned out turned Hudson Carr over twice held him to a hundred yards passing that defense is flying around like they're just doing such a great job on defense and while I there's a lot to be desired on the offensive side of the ball right Nebraska only managed 277 yards against a not very good Purdue defense but they held Purdue which has been a decent offense to under 200 yards of total offense like that, they they turned them over three times, and granted, Nebraska turned the ball over four times. So they they have a lot to work on with ball security, a lot. You know, Harburg, whoever the quarterback is, Sims or Har- Harburg, they've got to work on ball security. However, what what Nebraska is doing without a, a several of their running backs, patchwork at the quarterback position not necessarily a ton of talent, what they're doing and what Matt rule is doing again, throw his name in the ring for big 10 coach of the year. Nebraska's five and three. They're tied for the top of the big 10 West. They have everything in front of them. And at this point, I don't know, like I might trust Nebraska over anybody else. They play at this point. I admit Nebraska plays Michigan state. That's probably a win. They play Maryland. That might be a win. They play at Wisconsin. That's probably their toughest game left. And then they play Iowa at home. And granted, if they turn the ball over like they did uh, against Iowa, that's going to be really tough for them. But I think they at least get to bowl eligibility. Nobody was thinking that. Well, some people thought of that. And I thought that was crazy. I, I did not think that was going to be possible. Just the way, you know, you had to change a whole culture. Um, I saw Nebraska fans on Twitter last night saying, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen if, uh, you know, I started to feel the the tension that we were only up 14 to nothing and are we going to lose this? And it's tough to get out of that mindset. And you're right. It is tough to get out of that mindset. It's especially tough to get out of that mindset when you're the team that's done it game in and game out for the past three years. They didn't. They won the game. They've won five games. 
and I think they win game number six next week. Just a phenomenal job by Matt Rule. And I know I know people look at the offense and think, oh, it's non-functional, da 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 They've won five games, and I think they're on their way to, to a bowl game this year. So great job by Matt Rule. Great job by Matt Rule. I think for Purdue, I thought they would do better this year, but the reality is a lot of people thought they might be the worst team in the Big Ten West. And, like, that's just what they were dealing with, right? Not a lot of talent coming back. Even with Hudson Card, you don't have a lot of, of good receivers on the outside. Offensive line is, is a work in progress. Defensive line, the, the edges are good, but the, the interior, not very good. And you're just seeing, okay, Ryan Walters, first-time head coach. You know, Hudson Card is erratic. He has the talent. He has a little bit more talent than maybe some of the other Big Ten quarterbacks, but he's also inconsistent and he makes he can make poor decisions. You know, that it's just the reality. I, I think if you're a Purdue fan and you're like, oh, this season is going south really quick, be like, yeah, but you know, give him time. Give him time. Get another recruiting cycle in. Let Ryan Walters get his his system in place. And let's see where they go from there. So the the night game on NBC was Ohio State at Nebraska or at Wisconsin. Sorry, at Wisconsin. You know, that game was it was tricky for both sides. You know, for Ohio State, I, I, I looked at the statistics or, and, and some other facts about about this. The last time Ohio State won by double digits at Wisconsin was the year 2000. Since then, they had two overtime wins. They had a five-point win and two losses. And so I, I, I predicted a 10-point win. And that, I think that's saying something, right? I think Luke Fickle is, he's not going to get Big Ten Coach of the Year because I think people expected more out of Wisconsin. But the reality is, I, I think Wisconsin at home is really hard to play. And I do think this this Wisconsin team is starting to gel a little bit. I think that Illinois win really galvanized them. Now, granted, I I think they they needed an infusion of talent as well. And I think you saw that, especially in the second half. DK was out. Allen was out. Um, you know, obviously Malusi and um Mordecai were out. But I think I think Braden Locke is the future of this Badger team. I think he's I think he's gonna be an upgrade next year over Tanner Mordecai. You know, I still think I, I think they've got some receivers moving forward that are really good. They're always gonna be able to recruit running backs. So like I, I like the trajectory of Wisconsin. I thought they had moments in this game where they had a chance to really maybe put some pressure on Ohio state. So I, and I still think Wisconsin could easily win the, not easily, but I think they can win the West. I think, I think Iowa has another loss or two in them. And I think Wisconsin could win out. So again, I think it's going to be tough. That's, that's not to say that will definitely happen, but I, I do think that's possible. I think if you're Ohio, if you're an Ohio State fan, I think it's easy to look at this game of what it could have been. Ohio State left a lot of points on the field again. 
And at some point, I think you just have to say, okay, who is Kyle McCord? And I, I, I made the comparison to Craig Krenzel. If you're familiar with Craig Krenzel at all from the 0203 seasons, uh, mind numbingly erratic at times he's inconsistent, but he, he makes good plays. He's very good in the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, he's, he's, he's a gamer. And so he was banged up. He made a couple of big interceptions in the first half, you know, and Wisconsin comes down, ties it up 10 to 10. You're at camp Randall and you're thinking, Oh no, this could go South very quickly. And what Comacord does is he plays steady, you know, has a couple more mistakes, but makes the plays he needs to and, and gets the ball to his playmakers and they win the game on the road at a really tough environment, probably the toughest environment they will play at all season. And they did, uh, they did a great job. So uh, I think a lot of fans around the league and are in the country are looking at Ohio state and be like, this can't beat Michigan. And just a couple thoughts on that one. They don't have to beat Michigan. Now they have to beat them in four weeks. And that defense, I think plays well enough to at least keep them in it for a while. So I think that's something you have to remember. Second, I do think Wisconsin has a decent, has a pretty good defense. And the reality is, I think these are fixable things for Kyle McCord, right? So it's, it's a, they're timing issues. He's seeing things a little bit late. He's been doing that since week one, but I think he has, he has made steady progress. The interceptions look bad because they're interceptions, but the reality is he's thrown balls that should have been picked earlier that haven't been. And so I think he learns from it. Do I think that Ohio State wins in four weeks against Michigan right now? No. But also, I, I think Ohio State, I, I've never been sold as like the favorite as the Big Ten champion. And I'm still not there. I don't think they're the favorite. But they're 8-0. They've beaten two really good teams. And so I think you got to keep building on this because this was never going to be clean from from week one to to week eight week nine so i think really i think it's a solid win on the road i think there's a, there's a lot to learn from i thought the defense played well i i think it'll help to get a mecca Ibuka back and marvin harrison is just ridiculous and so so is, i thought travion it's the best ohio state's run game has looked and it's the best that travion henderson has looked i think in his career uh best best the run game has looked this year best that henderson has looked maybe in his career. Um, so I, I, I'm really, I, I wouldn't say I'm pleased. And this is me as a fan now talking, I wouldn't say I was super pleased by the game, but also I think when Ohio state got up 17 to 10 and I was watching that game, I'm thinking, I think it's over. And that's, that's the first time I've felt that way probably since 2019 where I'm like, okay, Ohio state gets up by a touchdown or 10 points. I'm like, all right, they're good. They'll be fine. And that I think that's the skill of the defense. Now, I will say one last caveat before I get to my top 10 and my power rankings. I think Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan's defenses are all really, really good. I also think the offenses in the Big Ten are not all that great. 
I don't think there's a lot of explosion in this conference right now. And so I think whoever gets in the playoff from the Big Ten, and this includes Michigan, I think all of those defenses are going to have to step up and prove that they are championship-level defenses in the playoff. Because aside from Ohio State, there's nobody that I would say is like, no team that really has a game wrecker. Like Blake Corm's really good, but he hasn't been a game wrecker this year. Uh, the, the receivers for Michigan have not are not game wreckers. They're good. Roman Wilson's been very good this year. Um, Penn State has really good running backs, but they have not been super explosive. You're going to have a tough time, especially as Georgia is starting to figure things out. They get Brock Bowers back. I think that's a matchup nightmare. You look at Florida State with Keon Coleman and some of those guys. Even, you know, I know Oklahoma lost and Texas lost. Washington did not look particularly compelling against, uh, oh gosh, against Stanford. You know, so there's, but they've got, they've got guys, they've got playmakers that you, uh, Roma Dunze and others that they are not facing on a week in week out basis that are, that are really stressed these defenses, whoever gets in from the big 10. Let me talk power rankings real quick. Number one, I still have Ohio state on the strength of their resume, but if I picked Ohio state, Michigan tomorrow, I'd still pick Michigan probably by, by 10 to 14. I've got Michigan at two. I think Penn state is a a good cut below at three. And then I think there's a big cut below everybody uh, below those three. Number four is Rutgers. Rutgers is, I would not be surprised Rutgers gives Ohio state a bit of a tough game next week. I think, I think Rutgers defensively is, is really solid. Um, and I think that, I think they might give Ohio state a tougher game than a lot of people expect. Whatever the, whatever the line is, I would pick, I, I would pick Rutgers to cover. Um, that that's just where I would be right now. I have Iowa at five. And I, I have a hard time putting that at, at them at five just because of their whole offensive situation. Wisconsin at six, Minnesota at seven, Nebraska at eight. And then this is where it gets, I, I just don't know what to do with other teams. I have Northwestern at nine, which again is a testament to David Braun and what he's done with that program. Maryland at 10. Talent-wise, they're better than that, but they're, they're in a tailspin right now. And I, I don't know if they're going to get out of it. Illinois at 11, Purdue at 12, Michigan State 13, Indiana 14. And I could easily see Michigan State and Indiana flip-flopping. Um, top 10. I pulled the trigger and put Florida State at one. They've been dominant the past few weeks. They, they've done what they're supposed to do against lesser competition. I think that win over LSU, it, it's it's not the best win that anyone has, but I still think it it's means something that they beat them by three touchdowns. And yes, they were they struggled a bit against Clemson and they struggled against Boston College, but I think we're seeing them evolve and get better. And I I think until further notice, they're number one based on their resume and their their quality of play. I'm Ohio State too because of their resume. I think if they ever if they can get to that next gear offensively, 
I, I think like Ohio State, I think could be a monster if they can figure that out. But I think there's a lot before we can say they get there. And it's not just Kyle McCord, it's the offensive line. That offensive line needs to get better um, still. Uh, Josh Fryer in particular is a liability on that right side of the line. Michigan at three, I, I've no reason to, to drop them below, below three. I have Georgia at four. Georgia is starting to look like Georgia. And, you know, Florida is not a great team this year, but they're not nothing. And Georgia just crushed them. Washington is five. It's really hard to put them at five over the past two weeks, but they still have a really good win against Oregon. Oregon's my number six team. I, I think they are playing out of their minds right now. I think if you put Oregon up against anybody in the country, I think they could beat anybody in the country. I think that includes Florida State. I think that includes Ohio State and Michigan. I think that includes Georgia. I think if they had a rematch against Washington, I think they win. Number seven, I have Oklahoma. I know they lost to Kansas, so they don't drop too much, but you know, you can't argue with the Kansas or with the Texas win. Uh, I have Texas at eight, Alabama at nine for obvious reasons, and then Penn State at 10. I, I'm keeping Penn State there. I do think I, I think people are underestimating the Franklin lull <laughs> after after a loss. And I, you know, I had them pulling away and winning fairly comfortably, but I, I was very encouraged with Drew Aller figuring it out and, and kind of getting, you know, sometimes it's actually beneficial to throw that first pick and to put your team in harm's way to realize, oh, my, my team's got my back. I'm going to go down and make a throw. The fact that he threw a pick to almost end the game or like give Indiana the lead, then to come back and throw a strike. I think that really helps. I, I really do. Um, and so if I'm, again, if I'm a Penn state fan, I, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, this is good. This is very good. So, um, that that's it for the podcast. Uh, I'll get to comments and, uh, comments, your thoughts and the week 10 picks, for Thursday, again, make sure you like, follow, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. Send me emails, Talk at gmail.com. Hit that like button. Smash the subscribe button. Leave comments. Again, comments, reviews, they all help get this thing out and share, share this thing with your friends. So grateful for you all. Take care. God bless.